0: So I, I assume that's a good thing. Maybe not by the end of the day uh, or, or the end of the morning, but right now it's a good thing. Uh, it's good to be here this morning. Um, I want to say, and, and I know I I don't want to put words in, in Mark's mouth, but Mark and I have talked a good bit. And uh, we both are just truly grateful for the encouragement, for the cards, for the phone calls, Uh, For several of you, just just then, just shaking hands, saying, hey, uh, praying for you, praying for you. Uh, We need that. I I couldn't tell you how many people I've had ask me, Mac, are you nervous? And, uh, and, yeah, and no. (laughs) If I'm honest, uh, I'm more nervous because uh, I want to do this to the best of my ability. Uh, And I know Mark feels the same way we would not have uh, stepped up to the plate. We would not have said, yes, we'll do this if we didn't feel like this is what God wanted. And, and Mark and I were just talking this morning, and, and we're going to be talking about this morning uh, the church that, that left their first love. Um, I truly feel like that as an act of God, there are just some things that we can't explain. And, and I feel like as a church... This is one of those things. If we could explain it, then we'd have to question, is this really God moving or not? And and I believe that, that this, what this church is going to be going through, what we are going to be going through as a faith family over the next four months, is going to be truly remarkable. I hope, I don't know what your rope looks like, but I tied mine to my keys. All right? Some of you might have put them on your dash, you might have put them in your bathroom, you might have put them in your pocket. Whatever, however, works best for you. Let me just go ahead and say, a woman's pocketbook. <laughs> Holy cow. <clears throat> Y'all just saw me with, with the boys, and, and there's, uh, there's nothing better than, than just hearing Graham sing with a the choir. There's nothing better than that right there. But Grady was wanting some bubble gum, and so I got into Sandra's pocketbook. There's swimming trunks there's bubble gum. There's Carmex. There's keys. They, I mean, it's. But if she showed me her keychain the other day. She did the same thing, and her her rope is just frayed. I mean, it's just, it's. Fr- I mean, it's all the way down to here. And and I went. You know what? I'm not going to let mine do that. So I took a, a lighter, not a like one of the lighter things, and and burned the end so it wouldn't do that. Now, it looks kind of rough. I mean, it looks burnt, but that's okay. I hope that each day. Not just once a day, but every time you see this rope, you're praying for our pastor and his wife. You're praying for the influence and the impact that they're having over in Tanzania. I hope also I had somebody that came by Mark's office and we were talking. I've had several people do this. They said, hey, we not only picked up one, but we picked up two. One to pray for Kenny and Lynn and one to pray for you and Mark. That means a lot. That means a lot. Some have said, when I look at my rope, I not only pray for Kenny and Lynn, but I also pray for you and Mark. We need that. I, I was doing a project lately. I was walking through Lowe's. I saw Sean and Christy, and, and we were, they were walking out. I was walking in, and I just said, the, 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 the projects just seem to be piling up for me. School starts tomorrow, my mom's a teacher, and, and Sandra had this just incredible idea to build a reading nook for my mom's classroom. Here was the catch. I was to build the reading nook. <laughs> so yesterday I spent part of my day uh, working on this reading nook, and my mom was talking to me about this, this transition. She said, Mac, you, how are you going to have enough time to do all of this? I said, Mom, I'm, I'm no busier than anybody else. It's all about priorities. But listen, I understand that I'm not in this alone. This isn't a Mac show. This isn't a Mark and Mac show. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's going to do through this entire experience. And so that's what I'm excited about. Believe me, we didn't sign up for this. We didn't ask for this. But we know this is what God's doing. And we believe that this is where God's invited us to be a part of his work. And so that's what we're excited about. We're going to be talking about this morning the church of Ephesus. And this whole idea of, and this this whole topic of remember me. Remember me. And this letter that John is writing through the leading of Jesus Christ, writing to the church of Ephesus. I'm excited about this. I hope that you're challenged. I hope that you're encouraged. I hope you're inspired this letter, but I want to pray before we read God's word. God, thank you so much for this opportunity this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have, not only to, to read it, but God, to learn from it and to live by it. God, we're grateful for this place and help us to truly understand the meaning behind This holy ground. And the fact, God, that we are standing in the presence of Jehovah. Father, may it not be anything. Be completely and totally about you. God, have your way, have your will in this place this morning. In Christ's name, amen. If you would, turn to Revelation chapter 2 and stand with me. We're going to read those first seven verses and begin to walk through this letter to the church of Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. Now you're going to notice a theme as we begin to walk through these seven letters in these seven churches. Today's the first letter. Verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name, and have not grown weary. Verse 4, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love of God. You had it first. Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaians, which I also hate. Verse 7. Whoever has ears... Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. may be seated. As I said, you're going to begin to notice a certain theme as we begin over the next seven weeks, looking at the seven letters to the seven churches. And here's that theme. You're going to notice there's always a place. There's always a church that this letter is written to. It's always given to an angel of the Lord. Now, there's some speculation out there. Is this a true angel, or is this just a messenger sent by God from the church? Is this a leader of the church that this letter is getting to, or are given to by John as he's riding on the Isle of Patmos? Now, John is sent about 60 miles or so to an island away from Ephesus, away from all of these churches, out on an island, a secluded island, where Christians were taken and persecuted for their faith. And this is where John is when this letter uh, is written. You're also going to notice there's a people that it's written to. It's written to the church in this particular letter. It's written to the church, the people of Ephesus. And then you're going to notice there's a problem. He encourages them by saying, hey, this is what you're doing well. This is what I like. This is what I love about your church. But then here is the problem with your church. And then there's the promise. There's always a promise at the end. There's always a promise at the end. There's a a glimpse of, of hope. There's a glimpse of life in the letter. That's given to the church of Ephesus. So let's start with the first point: the place. What is this place? This this Ephesus, this city of Ephesus. What what is this place? I'm going to begin to give you a little background on the place as we begin to unpack this. So the city is on the western coast of Asia Minor. It's near a, a broad river. It wasn't the capital of Asia Minor. But it was certainly the most popular because it was a a place of port. It was a place where a lot of trade was taking place because of that port. So it was a very popular place, a very populated place because of that. There were a lot of trade and a lot of trading going on there. There were four great roads coming in and out of the city of Ephesus. So there was a lot of commerce, a lot of commuting going on inside of the city of Ephesus. In fact, if you flip over to 1 Corinthians 16.8, Paul is talking about Ephesus. He's in Ephesus at that time. And he's talking about how wondrous and how great the city of Ephesus is, so much so that he doesn't want to leave because he loved the city of Ephesus so much. They had so much going on, so much going for them. There was a lot going on, a very popular place, a place, a desirable place for, for not only people to do trade and commerce in, but for people to live. They had games back then that would rival what we would see as the Olympics today. And we know that Paul was somewhat of an athlete or loved athletics because he wrote about it often. And so perhaps that was the reason why Paul didn't want to leave, because that game, those games were coming too. And he thought, man, what what an incredible crowd that I'll have. What an incredible crowd that we'll have to be able to share the gospel with this crowd. I mean, thousands of people would come and flock the city of Ephesus for these games. So he didn't want to leave. He wanted to stay. He admired, he loved that place. Now, we all have those places that we like to go, right? Some of us are beach people. Some of us are mountain people. Some of us are none of the above. We have that certain place that we like to visit. We have that certain place that we like to go to. And when we go, we don't want to come home. That place for Paul was Ephesus. He spent three years of his life there, building, mentoring, shepherding the leadership of the church of Ephesus. He didn't want to leave. So we have the place. What about the people? What about the people? What about the church? What an incredible church this was. Some believe that that when this letter was written, it was 40 years uh, from the time that the church was actually started or formed. You see, if you go back into Acts and you begin to read the, the, the starting of the church, You'll, you'll see that, that Ephesus is in there and that they were actually uh, mentored, shepherded by Priscilla and Aquila during that time. They had Timothy who spent time with them. They had Paul who spent time with them. They also had John who penned this letter, spent time with them. Could you imagine the influence in just the young life of that church that they had? the amount of influencers that they had, the Pauls, the Timothys, the Johns, pouring into their church. They were born in an incredible movement of God. You go back to what I said earlier, when God's in something, there's some of those things that you just cannot explain. That's a movement of God. When you step back and you look and you go, how did that happen? All you can simply say is, it was God. It was God. There's no other explanation needed but to simply say, it was God. He says in verse 2, he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. You've tested those who claim to be apostles, but you found that they were not. You know, I I ask this question to our youth sometimes. There was just a truck that went by, uh, but I ask our youth uh, all the time, what do you think? people say about our church when they ride by our church. If you were just to go up, that white truck that just went by, if, and it would be crazy to do this, but if we were to stop them in the road and just say, hey, give us your 30-second synopsis of our church, what do you think? Just looking at our church, what do you think? What do you think they would say? What do you think the outside perception of our church today is you see to understand the church of ephesus we have to put ourselves in their shoes during that time and we have to think about the society around them even though it was corrupt even though it was wicked even though there were things going on that were displeasing to god out in the society out in the world surrounding the church you have to believe that they had an opinion of the church what do you think that opinion was And we could say, well, Mac, it really doesn't matter what they think. All that really matters is what Jesus thinks. And that is true. What Jesus tells the church of Ephesus, look, I see your deeds. I see the work that you're doing. You're persevering. Your discernment is top-notch. It doesn't even come close to being ridiculed. I mean, you're testing The wickedness. You're testing the men and women who who claim to be apostles. You're testing these men. Only to find out that your discernment was, was right. Only to realize and find out that they weren't who they said they were. They did not believe what they said they believed. Now, I look at our church. And I see a lot of what Jesus sees in the church of Ephesus. There's no question this is a hard working church. There's no question this church has been tested. There's no question. This church has gone through a lot of transition over the last 10 years. You've gone through a lot of heartache and a lot of struggle in the last 10 years. And I think Jesus would commend this church for persevering, for holding to the faith, for being strong, for not allowing society to dictate the direction of the church. Sandra and I were having this conversation the other day. We were talking about growing up and the church that she grew up in and the church that I grew up in. There's going to be an announcement at the end of of the service, and, and the leadership packets for the coming year, who's going to be teaching and who's going to be leading various groups, that's going to be available for the families after the service. And we were talking about, Sandra and I were talking about that the other day, just who we remember growing up, teaching us, investing in us as little kids. And she told me, she said, Mac, I can remember my GA teachers. They never changed. It was the same GA teachers her entire first through fifth grade life. And I said, you know what? Come to think of it, I can remember the two women that invested in my life every Wednesday night and every Sunday morning. One's gone on to be with the Lord, Miss Daisy Dean Cleveland. If any of you guys know the bookstore that used to be in downtown Seneca. Miss Daisy Dean Cleveland taught me growing up. Now, I didn't appreciate her as much as I do today, but I remember growing up, if I remembered the New Testament And the the, the Old Testament books of the Bible, for every time that I got up in front of the church on Sunday morning and recited those books of the Bible, she would give me a dollar, one of the dollar pieces, coins. Oh, how many of those I collected. I loved that lady. Not, Not because of the money she gave me, but for the time and the energy that she invested in me. The other one was Miss Betty Spearman. Miss Betty Spearman still attends the church that I grew up in. She's still investing in the lives of our kids. And she's in her late 70s, early 80s. She hasn't given up. And she's in her 70s, late 80s, maybe. I don't know. She was old when I was little, and she's old now but she's still investing in the lives of kids. Listen, I sat in our deacon's meeting Sunday, and I'm going to tell you, I had the, this whole idea that I was going to go in and I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't. I was just going to listen. And then Larry looked at me and said, Mac, you're the young guy. We want to hear from you. And I went, okay. You sure? Because this is what we were talking about, serving our church. And we're talking about trying to find deacons. Listen, being a deacon isn't working, it's serving. Do you understand? That's biblical. It's not supposed to be a burden. You're supposed to serve. And listen, teaching especially when it comes to my own kids. It's a passion of mine. Listen, we talk about the youth being the future of the church. If it is, then why don't we make it a priority? Why do we have Daryl Bibb running three different jobs in the church, having to run around finding Sunday school teachers for our kids? Are you kidding me? And they made a joke about it in the deacons meeting about needing a treasurer or something, and and somebody said, well, let Daryl Bibb do it. (laughs) Seriously? Listen, I love Daryl Bibb. I love his heart. You know why? Because he's going to do whatever it takes. The man's overseeing Sunday school, He's overseeing our men's ministry. He's overseeing care. Seriously? Come on now. I know some of y'all probably already made mad. You might not even want to come back. And that's okay. Because I believe what I'm preaching is biblical. Biblical. You don't have an issue with me. You don't have an issue with anything that I've said because I don't believe I've said anything that's unbiblical. What Jesus is saying here is I see your perseverance. I see your hard work. I see what you're doing. And it's all good. It's all good. Listen, being a part of a church isn't easy. Serving in a church isn't easy. It's hard. You know why? Because you're dealing with people. You're dealing with people. And you know what? People can be difficult sometimes. I can be difficult sometimes. I get that. So Jesus kind of lifts them up and he says, I see this. I see what you're doing. It's great. Keep fighting that good fight. But. But. But, here's the problem. Here's the problem. You've forgotten. You've left. You've walked away from your first love. You've walked away from your first love. told you my mom asked me yesterday she said mac how in the world do you have enough time in the day to do what you do i told my mom i said you know it's it's no different i'm no busier than anybody in fact i challenged myself about a month ago to quit telling people that i'm busy when people ask me hey how you doing hey what's going on Uh, i'm just busy man i'm just busy i just got so much going on but guess what so does everybody else Everybody's busy, right? You're busy. I'm busy. Everybody's busy. It's all about priorities. It's all about your priority. You ever heard the story of the guy? He's a businessman. He was traveling. As he was going through this one town, he noticed a house and a barn. And on the side of the barn, he noticed all of these arrows and these, these markers, these bullseyes, and every single arrow was right dead center in the bullseye. And this guy liked to hunt, and in fact, he loved to bow hunt, and he thought, man, alive. How did this guy do that? He's got to be a master marksman. I've got to figure out his secret behind this. So he goes up to the house and knocks on the door. The, the owner comes up to the door, and he opens, and the guy goes, listen, I have to know what's your secret. How did you get every arrow in the center of every bullseye. And he said, you really want to know? And he said, yes, you've got to show me. I've got some time. You've got to show me. The guy said, okay. So he went and he grabbed his bow and arrow that went out to the barn. The guy sticks an arrow in the bow and he shoots it, hits the barn. And the guy goes, wait a minute. You didn't even hit anything. The guy didn't say anything. He puts the bow down Walks to the barn. Grabs a bucket of paint. He begins to draw. (laughs) He said, you see, that way I hit it every time. (laughs) You know, that's the way sometimes we tend to live our lives. Seriously. That's the way we tend to live our lives sometimes. Aimlessly. Walking through life. You see, the church of Ephesus had it all together. Man, their package, (laughs) there wasn't anything any better. I mean, they were the mothership of churches. Other churches that we're going to study about came as a result of this church. A lot of them. On the outside, man, they looked like they had it together, they had the programs. They had the ministry going on. They had the leadership. They had it all. And listen, I just want to clarify. When it comes to our kids, I'm not just calling out that aspect of our church. I'm calling out students. I'm calling out adults. When it comes to our men's ministry in WMU, when it comes to those teaching our youth. All of those things are important. But listen, if we get into the shape of the church of Ephesus and we're just doing these things because that's the way we've always done it, we become mechanical. Some of you probably recognize this morning, we haven't had announcements yet. And we haven't. This says on your worship guide that we're going to and we were supposed to at the beginning, and that was my fault because I didn't communicate that very well. But we're going to move announcements to the end of the service. Did it not feel like we got to this part a lot quicker? And we just kind of geared down, right? But see, you see what I'm saying? We, we become mechanical. We, we become, instead of being the church... We just tend to just go through the motions of acting like the church. And we become like that man who shot that arrow and we think, man, this is a great thing. This is a good thing. I'm just going to draw the bullseye around the arrow. I truly believe God's at work in the life of this church. If I didn't, I wouldn't be here. I believe God's doing an incredible work. And I believe the way that process works is when God's working, He invites you and I to get on board and join Him in His work. You see, it's not about us shooting an arrow and then drawing a bullseye around it and saying, man, that worked. that was great. No. It's about Christ being the center, that bullseye, and from there, everything happens. From there, he invites us to his work. From there, we see what God's doing, and God invites us to that work. But you see, the church of Ephesus had lost it. They'd lost the main thing. You see, just in their short time of of being a church, being a faith family, they had gone from being on fire, being zealous of God, serving, sharing the gospel, seeing converts come to Christ. Listen, they were being persecuted because the idol worshipers, those that created the idols and made, handmade, handcrafted those idols, they were making money by selling these idols. And some of those were even becoming Christians. They were being converted. They were being persecuted. And even in the midst of all of that chaos, guess what? They had become mechanical. They were just simply going through the motions and they forgot to remember who Christ was, who Christ is. You see, in our lives, if we ever get to a place in our lives where we forget, if we ever get to a place in our lives where we forget the victory, that we forget that we're victorious, guess what? We've lost. We've lost. You see, because our lives, our perspective, our everything about us becomes about us instead of christ so i go back to that question when people pass by our church i wonder what their perspective is of our church i wonder what they think about our church here's even a better question what are you telling people about our church are you talking about our church do people know other than reading our sign that our pastor and his wife are in Tanzania for four months. Listen, the people that I've told, it's absolutely blown their minds. Are you telling people about our children's ministry? Are you telling people about our student ministry? And you're going, whoa, whoa, wait, Mac, that's, I don't even have kids. I'm not even involved in the children's ministry department, or I'm not even involved in the student ministry department. So what? You're a part of this church. You need to be telling people about it. You need to be telling them about Sunday mornings, Sunday school. You need to be telling them about Wednesday nights and the mission friends and the GAs and the RAs. You need to be telling them about these things. But you see, the church of Ephesus was just going through the motions. They had become a church that they showed up on Sunday mornings. They showed up on sun, Sunday nights. They showed up on Wednesday nights. And they just went through the motions. Here's the hard question Is that our church? Is that our church? If it is, we've got to take a hard look. We've got to take a hard look at ourselves. Not only is that the church, but is that me? Is that me? Am I that person? It's just showing up. It's allowing everything else outside of my relationship with Christ, myself, and my family to cloud those top three priorities. You see, because if you don't take care of those first three, guess what? Nothing else matters. You can be involved in every extracurricular activity that you sign yourself up for. But if you don't take care of those three, none of those matter. Is that you? Is that me? But there's always a promise. There's always a promise at the end. If you'll look in verse 7 and then we're finished. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. Which is in the paradise of God. Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Listen. An ignorant church is a church that doesn't listen. You hear me? An ignorant church is a church that doesn't listen. Y'all heard the old saying, there's a reason why you have two ears and one mouth, right? Sometimes we just got to shut this so we can let stuff go in and process it. Listen, the church of Ephesus, this is a real church. You understand? This is a real church. This isn't some fairy tale. This is a real church that Jesus Christ is communicating with. And as relevant as this letter was to the church of Ephesus, it is relevant to the church today. And he says, "Listen. Listen. Remember me I told Mark this morning and I'll just go ahead and tell you the day that I don't have time to cut my own grass is the day that I'm too busy y'all hear me the day that I don't have time to cut my own grass is the day that I'm too busy because I love cutting grass I love it so if you come by my house in two or three weeks and it's not cut then you know I'm too busy Somebody please stop and cut it for me. (laughs) All right? Hopefully that won't happen. All right? Are you listening to me? The church of Ephesus. He says, let them hear what the Spirit has to say to the churches. Sometimes, guys, you know what we got to do? We get so routine, we get so mechanical that sometimes we just got to stop. We just got to stop. Sit and listen. You got to stop, sit, and listen. That's difficult to do because you know what society tells us? Go, 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 go and never stop. Never slow down. You got to be involved in this. You got to do this. You got to be here. You got to be there. Go, 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 go. And sometimes we need to simply just stop and remember. Stop and remember. Because listen, I've been in ministry for eight years. I know how easy it is. I know how easy it is to just get in this rhythm, get in this routine and really just become mechanical and lose sight of why I'm really here and what my purpose really is. He gives them the promise, though. He says, The one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life. Listen. We run around with, we work with, we hang out with, we talk with people every single day that are hopeless. Hopeless. They feel hopeless. They feel like there's no purpose or meaning to life. You want to know why? Because they don't know Christ. They don't know Christ. They don't know the true meaning of His sacrifice and death on the cross. But you see, it's because of that that we have this promise. Individually and corporately as a church, it's because of that death and that sacrifice on the cross that we have that meaning and that purpose. You see, if we understand that in our own personal lives, guess what? It'll be noticed in the life of our church. And when people drive by our church, when people see our church, when they see our logo, they're going to say, man, that's a church. That's a church that has purpose. That's a church that has meaning. And that's a church that's willing to do whatever it takes in the remembrance of Christ to be the church that He's called them to be. Yeah, you know, I told Mark this morning, yesterday when I was cutting grass, I was I think I was supposed to get to that five minutes ago, but I'm sorry. When I was cutting grass, though, this thought entered my mind. This whole idea of remember me. I've been rolling over this all week. And, and I had this laid out, and as I was cutting grass yesterday, I, I thought, you know what, that's what Christ says. That's some of his very last words to his disciples. Right? I mean, we're going to partake of communion in, in, in two weeks, right here. And that's what Christ told his disciples. Do not realize he could have said anything? He could have lectured. He could have sermoned them to death on do this, 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 and this. And you know what he said? Remember me. Right? When you partake of the cup, remember me. When you partake of the bread, remember me. If Christ is not the sinner... Of our being. If Christ is not the center of who we are, then we're nothing. If Christ isn't the center of the people that you know, the people that you run around with, the people that you work with, that person that drives by in that truck or car, guess what? They're lost. They have no hope without Christ. And it's our job as the church. To remember who we are. To remember whose we are. And to make sure that people out there understand that. And that we're not a church just simply going through the motions. That's not who God called us to be. Listen, God didn't call us to be Claremont. He didn't call us to be Westminster Baptist. He didn't call us to be Calvary. He didn't call us to be any of those other churches. He called us to be First Baptist. Do you understand that? The minute that we look outside and go, well, they're doing this, they're doing that, they're doing this, they're doing that, why can't we do that? We've lost sight. Listen, we've got to follow Christ. And remember that He is the reason. He is the key. He is the reason why we do what we do. We're going to offer an invitation right now. Mark's going to come up, and he's going to lead us. I want to ask you, as a believer, as a member of this church, maybe you're a believer, not a member of this church. Have you walked away? Have you lost your first love? Maybe you're not a Christian at all. Maybe you haven't accepted Christ. Here's the beauty in all of this. There is hope. There is peace that you can find. But the only way that you can find that is the same way that I found it at 17 years old. And that is to realize that I'm absolutely nothing. Even though I thought I had it all together, even though I thought I had the perfect life, I was hopeless. I had no peace. I had no joy in my life. Until that day when God just thumped me in the back of my head and he said, you dummy, what are you doing? Get it together. You need Christ in the center of your life. You need Christ in the center of your life, whether you're lost or you're saved. If Christ is the center of your life, I invite you to come down this morning and I invite you to pray. If you need me, I'm here. If not, We'll have men and women that will come down and pray with you. But I invite you, come this morning. Come pray.